open our swords to Ephesians chapter 3, <clears throat> and uh, we have finished by God's grace chapter 2, although it's not finished with us, hopefully. Uh, we have been through that, uh, and Paul has told us uh, how God has had mercy on the Gentiles. They're no longer far off. They've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, they're no longer separated from Christ, no longer strangers to the covenants of the promise, no longer without hope. So we have much to be thankful for because uh, we have been grafted in, as, as was read this morning from Romans 11. And so the enmity is gone in verse 16. And the Jews and the Gentiles are reconciled now in one body through the cross. And in chapter 3, beginning in these 13 and really into the 14th verse, we find uh, Paul is going to give us insights into his character, his ministry, and his message. I'm going to take just his character this morning because as I get to digging and studying and preparing, it gets so much that... There's no way to cover it all and do a good job. So let's read together uh, these uh, first 14 verses of chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given me for you, that by the revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. And then he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And he goes into his prayer. And I just want to look this morning at some things about the character of Paul. We've talked about this before. This is Nothing new, and we'll talk about the mystery. And, and so just because I don't mention something, don't think I've forgotten it. I just can't cover it all. But uh, notice, though, in, in verse 1, it says, For this reason, I, Paul. 
for the sake of you, you Gentiles, do you have a dash there in your Bible? I think the King James does and the New American Standard does. And Okay. Then come to uh, verse 14. And so what do you say? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And so he's taking up how he begins in verse 1. But it's kind of like Paul is going... Uh, he starts off and then he gets a thought, like we all do. We get on a sidetrack, and of course sometimes that's good, but for Paul this was good. And so he says, for this reason, but let me tell you this first. And then he comes back in 14 and says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And uh, of course this is inspired word of God, and uh, 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 this was not... <clears throat> Paul going out on his own. No, the Holy Spirit used Paul as he does us. But in writing the scriptures, we see Paul there is is, uh, very much used for who he was. So he says, I need to tell you this before I go on. And, uh, And he is not saying here when he talks about himself, in a proud way, look at me, look at Paul, I'm St. Paul. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. Uh, he wants us, though, to see his life as an example of what a Christian uh, should be like. What is, what is God doing in his life? God wants to do in your life. See? He's not just saying this, so they'll know what he's like. He's telling them to be like him. To be an example. But it's not like, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this and so I'm going to do it. No, this is coming out of an experience that Paul has had with Christ. The Holy Spirit now is leading Paul, not his flesh. Uh, now he sinned like we all do, but he wants us to be assured. And he said this, in other places that we can uh, read about, <clears throat> maybe, yes. In Philippians three seventeen through 18, Brethren, join in following my example, he says, and observe those who walk accor- and walk, see, according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross, of Christ, And so, our walk is so important. But it's not we walk to be saved, but because we are saved, we walk a certain way. Not perfectly, but this is what he wants them to understand. And uh, to be strengthened by it, to be encouraged by it. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, Be followers or imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. So, so follow me as, as I follow Christ. If I stop following Christ, don't follow me anymore. Uh, there are a lot of thoughts about that. Second Thessalonians 3, 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. And so Paul expresses this over and over again to those he deals with. And so here we have really a glimpse, you might say, of uh, Paul's life as a person. And uh, uh, Paul was a man 
like we are men and women and children uh, struggling, fighting in a battle. And don't ever forget this. What, did, what were some of Paul's struggles? We've, we've studied this going through Romans. Wretched man, he says, that I am. Right now, he said, who will set me free from the body of this death that I struggle against? Thanks be to God through Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God. But on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. So there is this tremendous struggle that's going on. And I hope that struggle is going on in your life, by the way. Struggle is good. Uh, if, if, if you're struggling, that's a good sign uh, that God, Christ is, is working in you. Uh, and he also speaks of what he went through uh, physically. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 4, and 5. But in everything, committing ourselves as servants of God in much endurance and afflictions and hardships and distresses and beatings and imprisonments and t- t- tumults and labors and sleeplessness and hunger and so forth. And the list is on and on. He's not saying that to say, feel sorry for me. Okay? He's not, it's not about Paul. And you've got to be careful when you study the scriptures that it, you don't make it about Paul. Because what Paul is saying is, I'm in this battle with you and I'm struggling like you are. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Okay? And that's the, the lesson for all of us as well. Uh, and then he says in Philippians 3, his old life, but whatever things were gained to me that used to be important to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, of whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I might gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, the power, we talked about that, of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So again, Paul is, is telling us that this is real to him. This is not something that uh, you do on your own. Uh, you, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Uh, even though uh, you don't want to read the scriptures, you read them anyway, you know. No, he's saying, boy, God has so powerfully worked in me, I'm counting everything else as what? Rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. And you look at Paul's life, what the man gave up. He gave up everything and he had it made. The worldlings today would say, boy, he was a dumb cluck, wasn't he? I mean, look what this man gave up. But he said it's all rubbish compared to knowing Christ. And uh, I hope that this is true in our life and, and getting more and more that way. Because you don't arrive when you first believe, as you know. But we should be as Paul was in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. And we're going to talk about that today. 
I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so uh, this is something that Paul experienced in uh, he is leading here in this passage, again, by example, his own life. Uh, he walked the walk. But it wasn't Paul walking the walk. It was Christ who strengthened him to walk the walk. See, so much we try to do in our own strength, and we don't have any. And we need to, we need to flee to Christ. Give me strength, Lord, to say no to that sin. Lord, it's, it, I, I'm so easily overwhelmed with that sin. Help me. I lose my temper and I yell at people. That's wrong, God. I know it's wrong, but I don't have any strength. To, give me strength to do that. And you know what? If you do that in earnest and you really mean it, you'll start yelling at people. And you, then you're going to go, well, where did that come from? Because I keep trying to stop and I don't do it. I keep trying to stop and I don't do it. And all of a sudden... You realize you're not yelling at people anymore. You're not losing your temper. Why? Because you've grown in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And he's enabling you to do that. And, uh, and, and remember, Paul is writing this from prison. Uh, possibly in chains, we don't know. Uh, uh, we could all, one day, because of the faith, end up in prison. You think that would never happen. Uh, well, I hope it doesn't. But remember, the path of beauty is not always the path of ease. I discovered that going to Africa when Satan hindered me in every way, just getting there and coming back. And uh, so he has not given up the fight. He is working on us. Uh, but have any of us ever been promised smooth sailing? If you've ever been sailing, which I love to do, I mean, it can be just a nice breeze blowing and, you're just, you know, it's leaning over and it's just cutting through. And all of a sudden, a black cloud will come on the horizon and you'll go, oh, no. And you reef the main and you, and, uh, you, re- you, you let in the jenny because all of a sudden you hit with 70-mile-an-hour winds. And I've had that happen where the boat leans way over. And so we're not promised smooth sailing. Uh, what are we promised? The cross. Jesus said, take up your cross. That's painful. That's painful. It's death to self. Not health, wealth, and an easy life. And don't set yourself up for discouragement when false expectations and hope come along. And you, you make all these, these expectations and these false hopes, and then they don't happen, and so you're discouraged. Verizon Wireless. As you saw, I forgot to turn my phone off. Would you please turn my phone off? Would you please throw my phone away? Okay. What was I just saying about hindered and uh, no, that was mine though. I didn't turn it off. So, but you know, even even in things that 
or you make a mistake. I made a mistake during the night turn, and I didn't have somebody call me so I could use that as an illustration. But you go, okay, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. But uh, God is bigger than our mistakes, and he can use us even uh, in those mistakes that we make. And uh, we have to remember this is not our home. It's not a perfect situation. There is no perfect sermon. Okay? Boy, I'd have really repented if I'd have had a better preacher. Boy, if he, you know, if he'd have just gotten more excited and I would have changed. Nonsense. If you're looking to that, it's not going to happen. Because God talks to you in here. And I could be reading in a monotone voice, and if the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, watch out. Because that's what it's all about, is God getting a hold of us. So would we act like Paul in prison? Boy, that's a big one. Paul tells them how not to grow weary. But to rise above the trials and discouragement. Because you can. Why? Because Paul did. You see, that's, that's what he's telling us here. He did. And that can be true of us. Uh, when our circumstances are driving us to despair, how can we rise above it? We need to look beyond our circumstances to see, to see the God of our circumstances. Fix our eyes on Jesus. But we don't do that. Somebody said, that's a great saying, believing he is too wise to be mistaken and too good to be unkind. That's our God. He makes no mistakes in our lives and all things are working together for our good, even the ringing of that phone. And yet that was my mistake. And he can take those things and turn them for good. Have you ever been to the hospital and go in there and, and you're going in with this idea, boy, I am going to bless this person and, and I'm going to lift them up and make them feel good and you go in there to encourage them and they end up encouraging you? I deal with that quite a bit, by the way. Uh, I, I told uh, Melanie, she did that to me when I went to see her. And, and, uh, but that's a God thing. God is doing that in us. Uh, we can even be joyous and at peace going through death, facing death. So that is what's happening in this epistle with Paul. Uh, so what are the things about his character that we need to see? Uh, he is, first of all, noticed in verse 1, he is a prisoner of Christ. What? No, wait a minute. A prisoner of Christ? That doesn't even make sense, does it? Prisoner? Isn't he a prisoner of Nero? Isn't he a prisoner of Rome? I mean, what's, what's Paul saying here? A prisoner of Christ. What is he saying? God's in control. Christ has me. I'm his prisoner. Not their prisoner. 
but a lot of times uh, we think, well, you know, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Of course, there is no such thing as luck. We've got to remember that God is in charge. Remember, we looked at that in Ephesians 1.11 when Paul said, Also we have obtained our inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things, even the ringing of a phone during a message, works all things after the counsel of his own will. All things, everything that happens in your life, even the wrecks you get in, even though it may be your fault, he's in the midst of that. We've got to believe in such a God. If not, you're going to be discouraged. Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but God does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Aren't you glad of that? I'm glad we serve such a God that can work through and work around and with our mistakes and our failures. Because I fail him every day. I'm not going to lie to you. I break his heart every day, and yet he never leaves me. Romans 8, 28, we've seen many times, and we know, Paul says, know by experience, we know because of the scriptures, that God causes all things. Causes, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Wow, I, that's a great verse. A great passage of scripture. Uh, so behind all decisions, even our mistakes and, and uh, you know, Lily making a decision on what to do. And it ends up maybe it's not the best decision, but God's going to work through that too because all things are working together for good. And I've experienced things in my life, and I said at the time, like I dislocated my knee. God, why? I want to play football. Well, in playing football, I could have been killed. I mean, I don't know. I'm, you know, all that's in God's plan. But uh, one day, maybe we'll understand those things that we don't like. But let me ask you, did the circumstances in your life rock your boat? I think we forget. And also just because of plain unbelief, it's unbelief, that God is sovereign. See, I can believe that. And I do. I believe in the sovereignty of God as strong as anybody. But you can know it up here and not live it here, and act out of it here. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what Paul is doing. He's living out. He's walking what he's preaching. Yeah, he was working in you even before you became a believer. We see that Paul also had a sense of privilege in verses 7 and 8. In Uh, Ephesians 3 verses 7 and 8 he says of which I was made a minister according to the notice the gift of God's grace in other words what a privilege he said it's a gift of God's which was given to me according to the working of my power 
because Paul was so strong and so... No, he doesn't say that according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was, again he said, was given, given, given. And uh, we need to remember that as well. The sense of privilege. He's saying basically, to me, of all people, me, and I would agree with him. If I'd have been God, I'd have not saved Paul. I'm sorry. I mean, the guy was, was killing Christians. The, the blood of, of Christians was on his hand. Uh, he was going about doing evil, terrible things. But God, he says, me? God would have mercy on me? Wow. This proud Pharisee that I am. By the way, Pharisee, remember, is spelled F-A-I-R. Fair-I-C-S-E-E. Okay? In case you don't remember that, I think that's good to remember. Self-righteous Pharisee is what he was. And yet he was lost. And yet he had it all in some respects. Wow, God called me. You know what, I can say the same thing. God would call me to preach? There are a lot more people more qualified than me. Smarter, better storytellers. Me? Why would God have mercy on me? I hope you see that about yourself. That it's grace. And it's not you. Because Paul is driving this home here. Call me an apostle to preach the gospel. And that's for me to be able to preach the gospel. Wow. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Wow. So what he's saying in verses 2 through 13, that this is a wonderful thing God has done in my life. It was a joy for Paul. He is doing this, he says, for you. So don't be discouraged, he says, about me, because I'm not. No, I'm doing what God has called me to do. And not only that, but I'm happy to do it. I am joyous, so don't fret and, and, and become weary about what I'm going through. What is the root of the sense of privilege that enabled him to be joyous? What is at the root of this? Unworthiness. And you go, what? Unworthiness. Do you want to be not discouraged? I do then keep in mind your unworthiness. It almost sounds the opposite of the way it ought to be. He says how unworthy he really was. What does he say? I am the least of all the saints. He really saw how unworthy he was. He realized He didn't deserve any of this. It's all of grace. What did Paul realize he deserved? The wrath of God. You know, I think Paul is is happy just to be a believer and chosen by God. He's just filled with the love of Christ and having mercy on him. He really did see his unworthiness. And we need to see our unworthiness. 
1 Timothy 1.15 is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners except for me. No, what does he say? Among whom I am foremost of all. Wow, the Apostle Paul. I'm least of all the saints. I'm foremost of the sinners. Can you say that about yourself? Do you see your unworthiness? That's what Paul is telling him here. When you see your unworthiness more and more, what is that a sign of? I think it's a sign of growing in grace. You're growing in understanding the grace of God more because you see your unworthiness more and more and more. And that's where Paul was. He realized who he was without Christ. So it's a good thing to focus on your unworthiness uh, before God. I think this is a key to rise up against discouragement in our lives is to understand that. Remember, you're worse than you think. What do you do when Satan comes along, and I've said this before, and says, Sid, you're a wicked, horrible person. I'll say, you know, you're right. But you know what, Satan? I mean worse than that. Because you don't know my thoughts. Because that's what we are. We're sinners. Still sinners. Saved by grace. And what does a sinner saved by grace understand? How unworthy he is. Paul thought, as a Pharisee, I've got this together, man. I, you know, I'm... I'm up there because of who I am as a Pharisee. I'm the Pharisee of the Pharisee. Didn't mean anything. He was self-righteous. How do you see yourself this morning? So Paul now is rejoicing in prison. He sees his low self-esteem. What I mean by that, he is seeing himself in lowliness of mind. Humility is a sense of unworthiness, realizing that you are what you are by the grace of God. That's what it is. What do we deserve? Can you say, Can you say, and do you say, I deserve the wrath of God? If you can say that and mean it, you're probably a believer. But if you can't say that, if you think, well, you know, I'm not so bad, and I think somebody that can say that is probably a very strong Christian, and when he says it and really means it, I deserve the wrath of God. Like Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. God, thank you. For saving me. And so believing that. Paul could go through anything. Nothing could discourage him. Because he knew who he was in Christ. What did John the Baptist say. And how did he put it. He must increase. I must decrease. 
Is that true in our life? Are we dying to self more and more? The more I decrease in my own thinking of myself, the more Christ increases in my thinking. The more real grace men have in their hearts, the deeper their sense of sin. The more light God pours into their hearts, the more they see their own darkness. That's a quote from somebody. You know what? The dead soul sees and feels nothing at all. He could care less. He doesn't say, without Christ, I am lost. See, the lost person says, I deserve to get there because my good outweighs my bad. But see, we realize that our bad outweighs our good, and it's the righteousness of Christ that gets me there. And this is what Paul came to realize, and it changed his life. And he lived out of that grace by faith in Christ alone. That's what enabled him to, to, to be in prison and to rejoice in prison. Well, I'm half finished. But we'll continue this uh, next time because we're out of time. Let me just ask, end with this thought. Is your life all about you? Your problems, your circumstances, and do you make sure everybody knows about that and so they'll feel sorry for you? And, uh, you know, when I get sick, I love to be pampered. But, you know, I think women are much better at just shutting up, going through it, you know, but we men, we had to be pampered, and you poor little thing. And but we all love that attention. But what did Paul say? Oh, was I there? Thank you. He says, "Do nothing." Thank you. Do Philippians two three through five. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, your unworthiness, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, and we do, big time, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That says it all, doesn't it? May God give us the grace. To live by grace through faith. Let's pray. Father, this morning, uh, Lord, your word is, is so convicting to me. Because, Lord, I know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. Lord, I, I confess my failures before you. Uh, Lord, I, uh, at times I try to impress people. I, I won't pity uh, I'm thinking only of what I'm going through. Uh, poor me. and Lord, help me to have the attitude of Christ who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Lord, we need your grace to do that. 
to live the Christian life as an example of one who really does know you because we've been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, lead, guide, and direct uh, each heart this morning. If there's anyone here, uh, Lord, who needs to confess a sin and, and ask forgiveness, but also to be changed by your power, I pray that you would give them grace to do that, to pour out their heart to you, Lord, um, and find rest in time of need. In Jesus' name, amen.